This is the Self-Preservation Society. This is the Self-Preservation Hi guys, and uh, welcome to the next reading of the Rational Mail. And um, I hope you're enjoying this. It's a very uh, thought-provoking book. And uh, so, yeah, I hope uh, you can glean some help from my readings. And I shall be uh, putting my thoughts together at the end of the reading uh, just to give my experiences of uh, the female. Okay, so this next section um, is called Imagination. A woman's imagination is the single most useful tool in your game arsenal. Every technique, every casual response, every gesture, intimation and sub-communication hinges on stimulating a woman's imagination. Competition and anxiety relies on it. Demonstrating higher value relies on it. Prompting sexual tension relies on it. Call it caffeinating the hamster, if you will. But stimulating a woman's imaginings is the most potent talent you can develop in any context of a relationship. This is the single greatest failing of the average frustrated chump. They vomit out everything about themselves, divulging the full truth of themselves to women in the mistaken belief that women desire the, that truth as a basis for qualifying for their intimacy. Learn this now. Women never want full disclosure. Nothing is more self-satisfying for a woman than to think that she, she's figured a man out based solely on her mythical feminine intuition, i.e. imagination. When a man overtly confirms his character, his story, his value, etc., for a woman, the mystery is dispelled and the biochemical rush she enjoyed from her imaginings, her suspicions, her self-confirmations about you are gone. Most guys with a beta male mindset classically do exactly this on the first date and then wonder why they get let's just be friends prompted after it. Familiarity is anti-seductive. Nothing kills game, organic passion and libido like comfortable familiarity. Despite their common filibuster tactics, women don't want to be comfortable with a potential or proven sex partner. They need their imaginations stoked to be excited, aroused and anxious to want sex with a potential partner. 
In an LTR, there are even more critical needs to keep prodding that imagination. I would go so far as to say that it's imperative for a healthy relationship. But then you'll ask, how do you go about that when your long-term girlfriend or wife already knows your story and the familiarity becomes cemented in? The easy answer is never let it be from the outset. The health of any long-term relationship you might entertain depends and survives on the frame you enter into it with. The foundations of a healthy LTR are laid while you're single and dating non-exclusively. I've yet, <clears throat> I've yet to meet the guy who told me He's getting more frequent, more intense sex after his long-term relationship, marriage, living situation was established. Uh, so that little nugget of chapter there that goes to the heart of um, why it is so dangerous to be um, cohabiting with a woman and... Um, to be married to a woman um, <clears throat> there it is uh, written for you there the primary reason for this is the relaxation of the competition anxiety that made the urgency of fucking you and lustful abandon in your dating phase an imperative to get you to commit to her frame. That's the crux of the matter. So that many guys fall in, they surrender the frame before they commit to a long-term relationship. They believe, thanks to their feminine conditioning, that commitment necessitates and is synonymous with acquiescing to her frame. Control. Combine this with anti-seductive humanity. And, your, and the growing commonness, commonness of your own value because of it. And you can see exactly why her sexual interest wanes. Well, for my part, I would say uh, that uh, interesting part there is that... Uh, you know, you're talking there probably of a, of a young woman um uh you know maybe um an older woman slightly older but i think uh generally speaking um women are mainly motivated for uh to to um you know sell their body uh, in a relationship for some return and that has to be you know they sell the body which they haven't really got much else going to sell so they sell the body um, in return for male um, sexuality to start off with but eventually um, in a relationship it's about um, having a having safety or protection by the male and 
to be provided with um, finances and children. So <clears throat> those are the main, uh, in my view, those are the main um, motivations of a woman. Um, and uh, so once those motivations are, uh, you know, satisfied, um, you really are in a very difficult position indeed. Um, and, you know, I think uh, most married, married men, if you're married listening to this, you would agree that, you know, that uh, that is the case. So carrying on, what do you do to prevent that? First and foremost, understand that whose frame you enter into a long-term relationship sets the foundation of that long-term relationship. If you find yourself buying into it, into its women's world, and we just live in it mentality where your default presumption is that commitment means she wins by default. You lose, and that's just how it is. Don't even consider a long-term relationship. She enters your world, not the other way around. I mean, I think that is uh, very um, simplistic um, because, you know, it's pretty much well known now that I think that uh, a woman will um, take a beta or take an alpha male and make him more successfully into more of a beta male um, that she moulds into a beta male. Um, so really, I think that's uh, a little bit simplistic there, really. Secondly, you need to cultivate an element of unpredictability about yourself prior to and into a long-term relationship. Always remember, perfect is boring. Women will cry river about wanting Mr. Dependable and then go off and fuck Mr. Exciting. And that's so true, so true. In a long-term relationship, it's necessary to be both, but not one at the expense of the other. Too many, many married men are terrified to rock the excitement boat with their wives or long-term relationship because their sex lives hang in the balance of placating her and her already preset frame. She must be reminded daily why you're fun, unpredictable and exciting, not only to her, but other women as well. This requires covertly, tactfully, demonstrably implying that other women find you desirable. Women crave the chemical rush that comes from suspicion and indignation. If you don't provide it, they'll happily get it from tabloids, romance novels, The View, Tyra Banks, or otherwise living vicariously through their single friends. I think that 
it is so true it's so so true the, the suspicion and indignation is what they crave a chemical rush that comes from the suspicion and indignation and uh, i had a colleague whose um, wife uh, wrote uh, romantic novels and um, the the interesting statistic is he said to me that romantic novels are the biggest seller in the united states and there, there we are, that explains why that should be. By playfully staying her source of that rush, you maintain the position of stimulating her imagination. Married men who were defeated before they committed don't think that elements of game apply to their marriage out of fear of upsetting their wives' frame, when in fact being cocky and funny, Nick hits and many other aspects of game work wonderfully. Just kicking her in the ass or busting her chops playfully is sometimes enough to send the message that you're fearless of her response. You can break her frame with cockiness and the imaginings that come with it. Breaking from an established predictable familiarity is often a great way to fire her imagination Married guys report how their sexual their wives become after they get to the gym and start shaping up after a long layoff. It's easy to pass this off as looking better makes women more aroused, which is true, but underneath that is breaking of a pattern. You're controllable and predictable so long as you're pudgy and listless. What other woman would want you? interesting that part i do believe that um women um subconsciously or consciously overfeed their husbands and so you get the dad bod and i think that is an unconscious thing they do that they want the uh husband to not leave them and they don't want to overfeed him to make him a little bit podgy um, and um, you know therefore other women aren't going to look at him um, so yeah that's interesting there but start changing your patterns get into shape make more money get a promotion improve demonstrate your higher value in some appreciable way and the imagination and competition anxiety returns and that i could be uh, easily um i could easily just sum up that little um nugget there that uh, make more money uh, get a promotion uh, all the things that will help the woman uh to get more resources for the man from the man anything that she can do to make her existence more luxurious and um, safer and um, you know uh, you know the the, 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 the picket fence uh, as long as anything she can 
the man does to improve that uh, will be um, looked upon in a very positive light just because she is constantly feathering her own nest um, constantly feathering her own nest really at the man's expense I must might add okay the next section schedules of mating there are methods and social conventions women have used for centuries to ensure that the best male's genes are selected and secured with the best male provisioning she's capable of attracting ideally the best man should exemplify both but rarely do the two exist in the same male so in the interest of achieving her biological imperative and prompted by innate need for security the feminine as a whole had to develop social conventions and methodologies which change as her environment and personal conditions do and that is the camellia effect to affect this not only are men up against a female genetic imperative but also centuries old feminine social conventions established and adapted from time long before human beings could accurately determine genetic origins i've detailed in many of my blog posts that mate selection is a psychobiological function that millennia of evolution have hardwired into the psyches of both sexes so internalized and socialized is this process into our collective unconsciousness that we rarely recognize we're subject to these motivators even when we repeatedly manifest the same behaviors prompted by them example woman having a second kid with the alpha bad boy it's simple deductive logic to follow that for a species to survive it must provide its offspring with the best possible conditions to ensure its survival either that or to reproduce in such quantity that it ensures survival the obvious application of this for women is sharing parental investment with the best possible mate she can attract and who can provide long-term security for her and any potential offspring thus women are biologically and psychologically and sociologically sociologically <laughs> can't even say it, the filters of their own reproduction whereas men's reproductive methodology is to scatter as much of this genetic material as humanly possible to the widest pool of sexually available females he of course has his own criteria for criteria for mating selection and determining the best genetic pairing for his reproduction i.e she's got to be hot but his criteria is certainly less discriminating than that of women 
No one's ugly after 2 a.m. This is evidenced in our own Hawaiian biology. Healthy men possess between 12 and 17 times the amount of testosterone. Women do. And women produce substantially more estrogen and oxytocin, fostering feelings of security and nurture than men. And in that section, he says um, that men, males, like to uh, spread much of their genetic material as humanly possible. Um, so I think that uh, goes to the heart, the very heart of why uh, when a man gets married or gets hitched with, and, you know, cohabitates with a woman for a long time. I think that goes to the heart of why you, you know, will become more miserable over time in a marriage because you uh, have given away your um, caveman instinct to um, have multiple uh, females. And uh, I think previous generations knew this, previous civilizations knew this. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, there was probably um, more, um, you know, single people then. Um, and only the very um, elite uh, males got to breed with multiple females. I think that's probably more likely. Um, however, I do think that um, it is interesting because, you know, you see, you see the very, very ugliest woman, you, you know, out and about um, with children um, or with a man. Um, so it's an interesting thought, though, that even the ugliest women, the very ugliest woman, uh, almost always can and does um, have the ability to have babies from a male. Um, such is the male's wiring to want sex. Uh, he's, all, he's willing to put it in anything almost, I think. That stated, both of these methodologies conflict in practice. For a woman to best ensure the survival of his offspring, a man must necessarily abandon his method of reproduction in favour of her own. This then sets a contradictory imperative for him to pair with a woman who will satisfy his methodolo methodology. A male must sacrifice his reproductive schedule to satisfy that of a woman he pairs with. Thus, with no, with such genetic potential at stake on his part of the risk, he wants not only to ensure that she is the best possible candidate for breeding and future breeding, but also to know that his progeny will benefit from both parents' investment. 
side note. One interesting outcome of this psychobiological dynamic is men's ability to spot their own children in a crowd of other children more quickly and with greater accuracy than even their mothers. Studies have shown that men have the ability to more quickly and accurately identify their own children. In a room full of kids dressed the same uniforms. Again, this stresses the subconscious importance of the genetic trade-off. There are the rudiments of sexual selection and reproduction. Obviously, there are many other social, emotional and psychological intricacies that are associated with these fundamentals, but these are the underlying motivations and considerations that subconsciously, subconsciously influence sexual selection. Social conventions. To counter this subconscious dynamic to their own genetic advantage, women initiate social conventions and psychological schemas to better facilitate their own breeding methodologies. This is why women always have the prerogative to change her mind and the most fickle of behaviours becomes socially excusable, while men's behaviour is constrained to a higher standard of responsibility to do the right thing, which is invariably to the advantage of a woman's reproductive strategy. This is why guys who are players and fathers who abandon mothers to pursue their innate reproduction method are villains and fathers who selflessly sacrifice themselves financially, emotionally and life decision-wise even to the benefit of children they didn't father are considered social heroes for complying with women's genetic imperatives. I think it goes a lot deeper in some ways because uh, the whole of the social um, structure depends on uh, reliable men it depends on on reliable families um, you can't have a successful social structure without um, men who are willing to uh, you know, stay with one female, as we can see uh, with uh, the proliferation of uh, single mothers. Um, we really are seeing now the um, total destruction of uh, fabric of society um, because the alpha male uh, or the, you know, the bad boy who doesn't want us to hang around with one woman creates the single mothers um, and the single mother um, also there's another dynamic in that uh, the woman uh, behavior is being so bad that the man can't possibly uh, have a successful relationship with her in the first place and I think we've reached that point now where the uh, female have had so many partners so many sexual partners and this respect really isn't there at all and the bad behavior 
It's very, very in your face, um, the disrespect, very in your face. Um, so, it, you know, I think it's a foregone conclusion that most men um, won't really be able to have a successful marriage these days. Um, you know, young men, uh, you know, it's a pretty much foregone conclusion. This is also the root motivation for spe female specific social dynamics such as let's just be friends and women's propensity for victimhood as they learned that this engenders savior mental schemas for men's breeding schedules kept in savoho and even marriage itself and it's interesting the, the white knight is a real the captain saberho is a real uh, emotion in men isn't it um you know you see you see it all the time um men have this innate feeling that they want to rescue the damsel in distress i don't know how that uh, developed um must be something historical Good dads these good genes. The two greatest difficulties for women to overcome in their own mythology, methodology is that they are only at a sexually viable peak for a short window of time, generally their early 20s, and the fact that the qualities that make a good long-term partner a good dad and the qualities that make for good breeding, breeding stock, good genes, only rarely manifest themselves in the same male. Provisioning and security potential are fantastic motivators for pairing with a good dad, but the same characteristics that make him such are generally the disadvantage when compared with a man who better exemplifies genetic physical attraction and the risk-taking qualities that would imbue her child with a better capacity to adapt to its environment, i.e. stronger, faster, more attractive than others, to ensure the passing of her own genetic material for to future generations. This is the jerk of these nice guy paradox, writ large on an evolutionary scale. Men and women innately, though unconsciously, understand this dynamic. So in order for a woman to have the best that the good dad has to offer, while taking advantage of the best that the good genes man has, she must invent and constantly modify social conventions to keep the advantage in her biological favour and in accordance with her pluralistic sexual strategy. Reproductive schedules. This paradox then necessitates that women and by default men must subscribe to short term and long term schedules of mating. Short term schedules facilitate breeding with a good genes male, while long term breeding is reserved for the good dad male. This convention and psycho social schemas that accompany it are precisely why. Women will marry the nice guy, stable, loyal, preferably, 
doctor and still fucked the pool boy or the cute surfer she met on spring break. In our genetic past, a male with good genes implied an ability to be a good provider. But modern convention has thwarted this, so new social and mental schemas had to be developed for women. Cheating. For this dynamic and the practicality of enjoying the best of both genetic worlds, women find it necessary to cheat. This cheating can be done proactively or reactively. In the reactive model, a woman who has already paired with her long-term partner choice engages in extramarital or extra-pairing sexual intercourse with a short-term partner. That's not to say that the short-term opportunity cannot develop into a second long-term mate, but the action of infidelity itself is a method for securing better genetic stock than the committed male provider is capable of supplying. Proactive cheating is the single mummy dilemma. This form of cheating relies on the woman breeding with a good genes male, bearing his children and then abandoning him, or having abandoned her, having him abandon her, again through invented social conventions, in order to find a good dad male to provide for her and the children of her good genes partner to ensure their security. I want to stress again that most women do not have some consciously constructed and recognised master plan to enact this cycle and deliberately trap men into it. Rather, the motivations for this behaviour and accompanying social rationals invented to justify it are unconscious process. For the most part, women are unaware of this dynamic but nonetheless subject to its influence. For a female of any species to facilitate mythology for breeding with the best genetic partner, she's able to attract and to ensure her own and her offspring survive with the best provisioning partner is an evolutionary jackpot. So, yeah, I think in that last bit there, it says that um, facilitate uh, her own and her offspring survival. So she's wired for her own survival. She's wired for her own survival and that of her offspring. Cuckoldry. On some level of consciousness, men innately sense something is wrong with this situation, though they may not be able to place why they feel it or misunderstand it. In the confusion of women's justifications for it, or they become frustrated by the social pressures to do the right thing. Ashamed into martyrdom, saviourhood, 
are committed to a feigned responsibility to these conventions. Nevertheless, some see it well enough to steer clear of single models, either by prior experience or observing other male cockholds saddled with the responsibility of raising and providing for, no matter how involved or uninvolved another man's successful reproduction efforts with this woman. Men often fall into the role of the proactive or reactive cuckold. He will never enjoy the same benefits as his mate's short-term partner to the same degree. In the way of sexual desire or immediacy of it, while at the same time enduring the social pressures of having to provide for this good gene's father's progeny, it could be argued that it may contribute minimally to their welfare, but on some level, whether emotional, physical or financial, he will contribute some effort for another man's genetic stock in exchange for a mitigated form of sexuality intimacy from the mother. To some degree, even only by his presence, he is sharing the parental investment that should be borne by the short-term partner. If nothing else, he contributes the time and effort to her. He could be better investing in finding a sexual partner with which he could pursue his own genetic imperative by his own mythology. methodology. <clears throat> However, needless to say, there is no shortage of men sexually deprived enough to see past the long-term disadvantages and not only rewarding but reinforcing a single mother's bad decisions with regard to her breeding selections and in exchange for short-term sexual gratification. Furthermore, by reinforcing her behaviour thusly, he reinforces the social convention for both men and women. It's important to bear in mind that in this age, women are ultimately solely responsible for the men they choose to mate with. And giving birth to their children, men do bear responsibility for their actions, no doubt, but it is ultimately the decision of the female and her judgment that decides her and her children's fate. So there we are, that's the end of that section. Um, and um, yeah, I think uh, the, uh, you know, the alpha fox beta bucks that is really in there and um, the social, um, you know, um, uh, conditioning that men uh, are expected to do the right thing, and you know the the um, the man who has multiple partners is uh, called names like a cad, chad, um, you know he's a player. Um, all these sorts of words are used. 
for this type of man who doesn't settle with one female uh, and uh, you know lives uh, the life of probably what could be said a true you know male spirit um, nevertheless I think uh, even the Chad and uh, you know the alpha male has to pay a very heavy price for um, having multiple partners um, is a very heavy price uh, that um, you know both the beta and the alpha has to pay um, you know for example the beta let's start with the beta I think the you know the the price is the um, not um, having in, uh, any excitement or uh, sexual uh, uh, adventures and uh, um, you know being tied down to this one female over time that becomes very very boring and um, so that that you know and has to pay for everything for this woman and her children so there's a very very high price to pay um, to, to to settle down with one woman at a very high price to pay and um, you know it's, it's just uh, it's just not a good idea really but I think even the um, the Chad character or the you know the player he doesn't get away either from all of this I think uh, you know having um, multiple partners might sound lovely it might sound wonderful but there is a price um, there is a price that he has to pay he has to um, make sure that women find him, find him attractive and he has to be uh, able to fund, fund these women he has to be able to fund these women he has to be um, you know attractive financially and physically to attract the women in the first place uh, so he has to go through by definition have to uh, go through quite a lot of um, hurdles to, to, to get a woman attracted um, financially definitely um, they're going to have to take on a lot of stress um, you know, a lot of inconvenience and uh, downright danger. Um, you know, but I think uh, putting money aside, I still think, um, you know, the true sort of the beach, the surfer type cad, I think he probably um, gets the best deal. You know, the... Um, the uh, beach bum or the um, you know casual um, the, the sort of very masculine uh, guy uh, who um, you know can provide that short-term fling that she craves I should think that uh, the the juices flow really quite for those sorts of guys um, they may not be rich but they may have that just what it takes the you know the bad boy alpha the, the you know the sort of um 
the bear boy of, uh, um, who lives on the beach or something, um, just for a quick fling. Um, I don't think she would be interested in anything long term with that sort of guy. Um, so that, that sort of guy probably um, can do quite well um, with, with multiple women having quick flings. Um, but then there's there's the uh, sexual, uh, you know, the STDs that he could pick up. Uh, it could affect his health. Um, it could affect his emotional. Uh, emotionally, he could become emotionally attached to it. Uh, and, you know, uh, you know, and all this sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody really escapes the, um, you know, nobody really escapes the, uh, you know, the sexual dynamic, really. <clears throat> nobody escapes. Um, you know, I think uh, it, you know, it just shows you that whatever you do, where, where, if you're the beach bum, you probably get a pretty good deal. You know, the muscular beach bum, tanned and, uh, you know, you know, doesn't care. It probably gets quite a lot of short-term flings, um, but as is at risk of STDs. Um, and is at risk for possibly of uh, other types of risk, uh, you know, husbands finding out, boyfriends finding out, uh, you know, physical risk from other males. Um, uh, you know, so that, you know, nobody really escapes and you take up, take it up and gear to the, uh, the bad boy trad type guy who uh, is, um, you know, masculine enough to attract the female in the first place uh, and rich enough to keep her attracted um, he has got to jump through hoops to get financially um, wealthy to get the woman to be uh, interested really in the longer term um, or even just to you know just to get the lay even you know to, to show that he has the uh, the material wealth is probably a prerequisite really uh, on a lot of occasions to get the lay so he has to go through a lot of stress and strain to get that wealth that's what i'm trying to get across um he has to go through strains just to get that wealth um just to get a female interested even. Um, and then the beta male, well, we know about the beta male. He, he gets the worst deal, really. Um, he gets stability. Um, he gets reliability, possibly, if you're lucky. If you're very lucky, you might get reliability. And you get stability. Um, but again, a great cost great great cost you know he's not able to um you know fulfill his masculine um programming to have uh, more than one female and he has to provide everything at great cost to this one female 
with subparsecs probably the, the norm um, and uh, downright disrespect as well um, for all that he does, uh, all that he provides um, and you know um, the downright uh, disrespect really. So I don't think anybody escapes 100% from this uh, dynamic at all. Um, you know, I mean, uh, even very, very richest and the mo very most powerful man doesn't escape it. Um, you know, he, he doesn't escape it at all. Um, and, um, you know, so it's... Uh, begs the question it begs the question what I'm coming on to next is it begs the question why would you do these things in the first place you know I can I can see possibly the the, the case for the beach bum the bad boy beach bum who the woman is just wants a quick fling I could see maybe you know, maybe in younger years that might work quite well for a lot of guys. <laughs> but um, that, I think uh, as those years uh, of a guy's life might not be very many years. Um, uh, you know, before the, you know, before the lays start to um, drop off uh, as he gets older. Um, so then he has to try to do other things to, in, in, you know, get females interested, i.e. financial things. Um, but I, I do think uh, there isn't really, I can't really put my finger on what the great advantage is in being with a female at all. Um... You know, because of all of these problems, is there really that much advantage in it at all? Um, far, far better to have a good, uh, you know, social in, uh, setup, a good social setup with good, reliable friends. That's really what I would say. Um, and, um, you know, to um, concentrate on building your own empire uh, and your own uh, wealth, really, um, to, you know, travel, to, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, get deeply into an interest of yours, um, whatever it might be, a deeply, uh, get deep knowledge in, in, in particular, uh, interests um, that can carry you through um, in time and you know enjoyment um, whether it be reading books or whether it be um, studying fossils or you know what I mean you, you could you could really uh, maximize your enjoyment through your interests um, rather than putting the female at the form forefront of all of this, <laughs> um, really, you're you're setting yourself up for fail if you do that. 
Uh, it's so difficult to see though when you've been programmed and conditioned to say I must be I must have a female I must have sex I must you know um, put my picture on Instagram with a beautiful woman and I must do this and I must do that um, it's always seemed to be you know what is in the best interest of a female to be honest all of this um, and that's the sort of link that uh, we need to break. We need to break this link with um, doing whatever is best for the female. Uh, and, you know, um, you know, trying to get away from this romantic idea and this, um, you know, the romantic idea and getting away from the sexual idea. Um, and get towards putting you on a pedestal on taking pride of place and taking the place of the king and the place of the king is where you want to be it can be a lonely place at the top as a king you can it can be quite a lonely place but um you know you could uh work towards that you may never get towards being a king but you can get uh to a higher level um and um you know by doing so ironically the females will throw themselves at that type of uh masculine guy who has it all uh financially and has um lots of abilities um the ironic situation is that females will throw themselves at that type of man <laughs> so you won't actually have to do any work at that point so i'll leave you there and thanks for listening and i shall look forward to the next week bye for now This is the Self-Preservation Society. This is the Self-Preservation Society. Go wash your German badger bike rights too. Cut your bonnet fair, we got a lot to do. Put on your dinghy dirt and your pick and ride. Cause time to hurry and buy. Get your skates on, mate. Get your skates on, mate. No fib around your Gregory Peck today. Alley, from your place of meat, right upon the sink. This is the Self-Preservation Society. This is the Self-Preservation Society. Gotta get a moving. Move on. Jump in the jump, y'all. Tell it straight. Tell it up.